Blessed be your name, O God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Again, the word tonight is redemption. On every power word, I make it my goal to bring to you a word every week. And I believe that one single word can be just what you need. A word can change somebody's life. Tonight, we are talking about redemption. So what is redemption? Redemption is the action of saving or being saved from sin or error or from evil. The action of regaining uh, possession of something in exchange for a payment or uh, the clearing of a debt. So redemption is the action of buying over, buying something back, to buy back, that's redemption, to redeem, to buy back for a price, for a cost. And God uses the same word to describe what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. So he is using what he has done for us and he calls it redemption. And I want us to look at what that redemption is all about. I want us to look at what that redemption is all about because sometimes we have limited the understanding of redemption to redemption from sin. But tonight we want to go a little deeper. We want to go a little wider and broader and understand what the redemption of God, the redemption of the believer, what it covers because it is so important to understand that the plan of God for the redemption of mankind is much more than sin. Sin is the, the big deal, the, the big factor, but it's much more than that. So he has redeemed us from sin, hallelujah, but he has done much more than that. So let's dive into Revelation chapter 5. Again, we say redemption is the action of buying back or regaining or gaining possession of something. And it is uh, in exchange. So Jesus came to redeem us, to redeem us so that he can reclaim us to himself. Because sin had um, laid claim of us. Satan had laid claim of man when man lost his authority in the Garden of Eden through sin. But God, through redemption, pays the price to win us back. He paid the price so that he can buy us over. So that now we are no longer ourselves. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God. We are God's property. Praise God. So if you are sure you are God's property, I want you to say to yourself, I am God's property. Unashamed. Because you would rather be God's property than to be the devil's property. You would rather be God's property rather than be the devil's prince. Amen. So Revelation chapter 5, um, the Bible says in, from verse, from verse uh, 9, it said, And they sung a song, a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. And to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, 
and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Praise God. Now, the this is a revelation of John, and he's here speaking about the what he saw in heaven as the seals were opening, and God was giving him access, like God is giving man access to the back room, to the to the back setting, to see what's going on in the background. And then he was speaking about how the angels, the elders in heaven, how they bow down and they fell down on their face as the, the Lamb of God was unveiled. As the Lamb of God was unveiled, Jesus Christ is that Lamb. When John, in John chapter 1 verse 29, John the Baptist saw Jesus for the first time, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the whole world. So when he saw Jesus, he saw by the Spirit that even though he was walking as a human, there is more to him than what he saw. There is more to Christ than what people saw. And that's where we must uh, understand that there is more to Jesus than what we think he is. So there is more to him. And he is not just the Savior of the world. He is the Lamb that takes away the sin of the whole world. How did he become the Savior of the world? Because in him, the sin of the world was dealt with. By him, the sin of the world was taken away. So he became, as it were, the sacrificial lamb so that we can go scot-free, so that we can go without punishment, so that we can go without damnation. He was damned to death on the cross so that in exchange, so what Jesus did was to become an exchange. He became us in sin. The Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That is the exchange. So he became sin for us, but he knew no sin. So there was an exchange. He took our place in death so we might take his place in victory. Hallelujah. And so the redemption that happened, happened through his blood, by his sacrifice, and here we saw that the in heaven, if you go beyond the surface, if you see the back door, if you are if you are privy to what is the the true meaning of redemption, what's the full extent of the redemption of God, of the Lamb of God? He said, We the song, a new song, saying that worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. And has redeemed us. Praise God. Say so you have redeemed us to God. So the first thing we must understand is that not only has Jesus come to redeem us from sin, he has come to redeem us to God. So sometimes we get so uh, bombarded and so uh, full of the awareness of what we were redeemed from but we are not paying attention to what we are redeemed to. 
They here the Bible says we are redeemed to God. We are redeemed unto God. So we are not just redeemed from sin, we are redeemed to God. So until we get to God, and what does that mean? Until we possess the fullness of God, until we are fully united with him, that process is not complete. We are redeemed unto our God, unto him as his servants, unto him as his children, and unto him as a member, bona fide members of God's family. We are redeemed unto God. So we have been redeemed to him. We have been bought to him. We have been recovered unto him. Hallelujah. So that's why the Bible says that now what you do is you glorify God in your body. He said, you are not your own. You are God's. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which are God's. So we now have a responsibility to glorify God in our body while we are here in the earth there is so much that we must do while we are here in flesh and blood on the earth and we must understand that it goes beyond just being saved from sin it goes further into being saved to god we are saved unto our god we have become god's representative on the earth we have become united with god we have become god's favorites in the earth Praise God. We have become his favorite. He loves us. Now we are redeemed to him. There is no hindrance between us and God. So every time that there is a hindrance between us and God, something is tampering with the full experience of our redemption. Every time we have, sometimes we come unto everything except unto God. Sometimes we people have come to church, but they have not come to God. So you've got to come not just to church, you've got to come to God. Sometimes we have come to the things of God, but we have not come to God. So it's not enough to be redeemed unto a new experience. It is not enough to be redeemed unto a, a, a joyful life. It's not enough to be redeemed unto a life void of, of sin. We must go beyond that. And we must go to be to understand that our redemption brings us to God. We draw near to God. We are with God. Amen. God is no longer far away from us. We are redeemed to him. We are is now. We are in him. He is in us. That covenant that is struck with us according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is a covenant that is said that we will be his people and he will be our God. That's the new covenant. So they will be mine and I will be theirs. We are going to be one with God. He is committing himself to man. Praise God. He's committing himself to man like never before. Man can now have access unto God like never before. God says that like in the in the experience of the of the new of the old testament, in the old testament, the experience of the of the Jews with the temple. There was the outer court, the outer court where non-Israelites, non-Jewish person can stay there. They can do there, they can do their things there and come there for their own uh, worship experiences. And there is the inner court that is for all of Israelites, those who are the covenant people of God. And then beyond that, there is the holy place. The holy place is where you have the, the priests, the, the Levites, the priests who 
continue to offer sacrifices uh, on behalf of the people that's in the holy place. So all, all the priests can go there. And then in the we have the holy of holies. This is a place that the chief priest, the high priest, will only go once a year. There is the holy place where they do their sacrifices day after day. The Bible talks about that, that the sacrifices they offer day by day, even though that sacrifice still cannot take away sin. But there is this place, the holy of holies, that was so reverenced, that was so sacred, that it takes only the chief priest to go in there once a year. And he goes there to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. But it's a once a year experience. And whenever the priest will have to go into that place, he had to be very reverenced. He had, they had to tie a, a rope around his, le his leg because he cannot misbehave. He can, he, anything can go wrong because he's so holy. And you can imagine the preparations of anyone who has to go to a place that you are not sure of coming back. So the reason why they tie a chain on their legs is to be able to shake and continue to send signals so that once he moves his leg, they knew he was still alive, he was still active. But as soon as he was not moving his legs anymore, then they had to pull him out because nobody else wants to go in there to go bring him out. So it was such a reverence place. It was such a place and they had to cover the place with a veil according to God's instruction. There was a veil that covered it. But guess what happened? When Jesus died, when the redemption took place, that veil was torn out. Praise God. The, the veil was torn in two, which signified that there is a new and living way that has given us full access. That now the Bible says you can come boldly. You don't even have to come trembling. It says you have to come boldly. Isn't that amazing? So we have a redemption that gives us access to God that you can come boldly with full assurance of faith. You say, because we have a new and living way through the flesh of Jesus, through the veil to come into the Holy of Holies. So God says to you, by redemption, you don't belong in the outer court anymore. Your experiences, many believers today still continue to have outer court experiences. That's not where you belong. And sometimes we even have the inner court experience and we seem to be satisfied. That is not where you belong. And then for some, if you are privileged, you have this holy place experience. It's so beautiful in the holy place. Oh, wait until you get into the holy of holies because God says you don't have to stop at the holy place anymore. By this token of redemption, you come to God. So don't stop. Don't stop at experiences with angels. Don't stop with experiences with church. Don't stop with experiences, great experiences with that man of God, that other man of God. How about you meet God yourself? How about an experience, an encounter with the God of heaven to whom you've been redeemed? So we are redeemed to God. You are not redeemed to church. You are redeemed to God. You are not redeemed to religion. You are redeemed unto God. Now you can come to God unhindered. You can come to God without any fear. You come boldly. You come confidently. You are sure because you are not going to die. It's not going to strike you dead because you come legally righteous. You have a right to be there. 
you have a right because that is what righteousness is. He made us not just made us righteous. The Bible says he, he made us the righteousness of God. Glory to God. He made you are God's righteousness. So when God looks at you, he sees his righteousness in you because you are clothed with the righteousness of God. You stand before God as though you knew no sin, just as if you are Jesus. Because the Bible says now you put on Christ, you, are, you put on the new man, Christ. So every time God sees you, he sees you as he sees Christ. And what does he say about Christ? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So that means that with this exchange in redemption, you have become that son of God. You have become that daughter of God that God is well pleased in. So God is well pleased with you. God is not angry with you. If you have experienced this redemption, God, you have been redeemed unto God and you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So you are redeemed unto God. And that's what the Bible says that we have been redeemed unto God by his blood. But not only that, he said he has redeemed us out of. Now, he has redeemed us unto God. But I've said before now that what we have thought is that he redeemed us out of sin only. But that, that's not all. He says that he has redeemed us out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. What does that mean? That the redemption does not only uh, cover the bringing out of sin. God brought you out of sin, yes, but he brought you out of uh, your family. He brought you out of your natural background. He brought you out of natural relationships. He brought you out of your tongue, your natural physical identities. Because when people speak, that's how you identify them. You can easily tell where a person is from by the way they speak. So God decided that the redemption of the blood will cover for that. And give me one minute. I'm going to, I'm going to go deeper into that a little bit. And he also de delivered you out of every people. That is your, your associations, the people group that you belong to. Okay. He delivered you. He, he redeemed you. The blood redeemed you from the people that you used to belong to. Now, not only that, he also delivered us out of every nation. Now, it is possible for people to interpret this scripture as God just bringing men from different um, different groups, different tongues, different people. That's true. But it's so true to the sense that it was the redemption that makes it possible. That by that redemption, God does not want you to be a redeemed person who is still bound by your natural circumstances, by you are a redeemed person from sin, but every limitation of the people you used to belong to 
is still a limitation you are struggling with in your own life too. Or the nation that you belong to, God doesn't want the limitation of that nation to continue to stop you. And this is why he decided that we've got to bring you out of every natural association. Because the redemption by the blood gives you, watch this, gives you a new DNA. It makes you a new man. It gives you a new DNA. You have a new blood flowing in your veins. Praise God. You have a new identity. That's why he gave us, I believe, when he delivered us from every tongue, he gave us a new tongue. That's why I tell people that the, uh, the language of the Spirit, the speaking in tongues, is not just a prayer language. It's a language, period. It gave us a new way of speaking. And not only in new tongues, it gave us a new confession. We are no longer speaking as we used to speak. Now we speak what God speaks about us. Hallelujah. Like I said, when you speak, people can tell where you are from. Now that you are redeemed, how when you speak, are you still speaking like somebody from the earth? Or are you speaking for, like somebody who has been redeemed to God? You see that? Are you speaking when you speak, when, you are, when people see you? What do they foresee about you? Do they see the people you used to belong to? Do they see the nation that you come from, your nationality? Or do they see kingdom? Hallelujah. Do they see that you are a person of God? Do they see a new identity in you? That was the, that was so true of the of the of the Christians, the early Christians. When they saw them, they saw something was different about them. They said, "Are these not Galileans? How come they speak? We hear them speak in every language. Why? Because they are no longer limited to any language. They are not limited to any language. They can flow in any language that they wanted to flow in. Praise God! And above all." They were able to speak the tongues of angels. They are able to speak with the tongues of heaven. They are able to speak as kingdom people. When they speak, they speak kingdom. Their language is not English. They speak kingdom. Hallelujah. The language of worship is not English. The language of worship is not Chinese. The language of worship is kingdom. The language of worship is love. They speak a new language. They speak, and when they speak, they could tell who they were. When they saw them, the Bible says they saw them, they said, wow, even though they did not go to school, they were unlearned, unschooled, but they saw when they spoke, they said they spoke as one who had authority. They spoke as one who has been with Jesus. Because again, they spoke the same of Jesus, as he spoke, they said, wow, this guy is not speaking like somebody from around here. Because guess what? He wasn't from around here. We've got to begin to speak as one who is not from around here. Praise God. You've got to start to speak as one who is not from this part of town. You are not from this part of eternity. You are from the other side. You have been redeemed to God. Your language has changed now. Your tongue has changed now. Your reasoning has changed now. The way you think has changed now. Because God has redeemed you by his blood from every nation. You are not limited by your nationality. So that in the realms of the spirit, listen, in the realms of the spirit, there are, there are territorial powers. There are, the Bible talks about 
that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There are several of these demons that are monitoring and securing different territories. They govern territories. Like, um, like, uh, like nationally, for instance, you can have a physical person who is the king of uh, the, the, the society or the president of the nation. But in the realms of the spirit, they also have their own ranks as well. And we saw that in the experience of Daniel, when the Bible says that um, the angel that was supposed to run swiftly to answer, to deliver an answer to, to Daniel as he began to fast, that angel came and said he was held bound, he was held down, actually detained. He said he was imprisoned by the prince of Persia. But the prince of Persia was talking about was not the physical prince that was ruling over Persia, or else that, that was not possible for that human government to hold an angel in prison. It was not. It was the, the spiritual prince of Persia. So as there was the physical prince of Persia, there was the spiritual prince of Persia. So you can say that as we have the physical president of the United States, there is a spiritual president of the United States. And that's why the rankings was uh, enumerated as Paul began to speak out of Revelation that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, that to every physical enemy you have, they have some spiritual backup. They have some demonic backups. Every spiritual, every physical enemy you've got to go through, every flesh and blood issues you've got to deal with, there is a monitoring demonic representative. So listen, Every family, every bloodline, every people have assigned under different princes in the power of the air. The Bible talks about the power of the air. The Bible talks in Ephesians chapter 2, talks about the children of uh, the, it talks about the power of the prince of the air. It says the power that works in the children of disobedience. Because in the physical, what you see is children of disobedience. But in the spiritual, the spiritual one will understand that children don't just disobey. There is a spiritual connection. There is a spiritual demon. There is a prince of the power of the air that controls the culture that makes men rebellious to authority. Things don't just happen. So these spiritual dimensions, they, have, they, have, they are assigned to different territories, to different people groups, to different languages, to different identities. There are some identities that come with several negative connotations that if you are from this part of the world, these are some, these are some traits that people want to see through you because over time, that's been the label. But it's not just a normal, natural label. It's because there is a spirit that controls people who are subject to that region. So when you come into a new region, you want to make sure that your spirit is not being manipulated by the spirit of that region. You want to make sure that the spirit that is controlling the people of your bloodlines, you know, people who come from your bloodlines, there are some people who continue to experience the same patterns of oppression, the same patterns of delay in the family. There is marital delay in the family. There's the same pattern of anger, the same pattern of sexual immorality, the same pattern of misfortunes. 
uh, barrenness and the same pattern of imprisonment, uh, everyone going through the same pattern of crime. And these things are so real that people, even those who are redeemed, like I said, that it is easier to cast the devil out with prayer, but if you're going to keep him out, you need truth. And this is the truth of the word of God. If you understand this revelation, that God has not only redeemed you with the blood of Jesus from sin, he also redeemed you from your people. Unfortunately, many of us continues to share and have this sentiment that continues to tie us down to the people, to the tongue, to the nation that God has delivered us from. I love the way Dr. Miles Moore of Late Memory will say it. He says, I am from the Baha I, I am from heaven, but I came through the Bahamas. And I love that. That I am from heaven, I came through Nigeria. So you do not want to continue to tie your identity to that nation, as beautiful as that is, as patriotic as you want to be, and that's good. But you must understand the difference that yes, I came through that. I'm, I'm going to be patriotic to my national origin because that's where I came through, but that's not where I came from because Jesus, by his blood, has redeemed us from every language. We are not limited so that whatever uh, delays people of that bloodline, I don't belong there anymore. So whatever demon that's been assigned to cause delay in the lives of people who carry my blood type, they can't find it anymore. Why? Because I belong in a new generation. Hallelujah. So first Peter chapter two should now make sense because we got to go there. So he redeemed us from this. And what did he redeem us to? He made us a new generation. Hallelujah. So the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Look at what the Bible says. Say, but ye are a chosen generation. You see that? Generation is about your family line. But the Bible says in Revelation 5 that he has redeemed us from our kindred from our clan, from our family. So Jesus said, uh, Peter said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He said, a holy nation, and then a peculiar people. You see that? Because he has delivered us from the people we used to belong to. Now we don't belong there anymore because we have a new identity. So you can choose to continue to identify with your natural nation, your natural tongue, your natural people, your natural nation, and your natural family, or you can choose to identify yourself by your new identity. So this is by the, this is choosing whether you want to call yourself what your parents call you, call you, or you want to call yourself by what God calls you. God says, you are a chosen generation. You belong in that special generation that declares the generation of Jesus. 
that declares that they are of the generation of Jesus. So they carry a new DNA. The DNA of Christ is in them so that the same grace that walked in Christ can walk in them. They can carry the same spirit of Christ. They can do what Christ did. They can speak as Christ spoke. When people see them, they can tell that these ones have been with Jesus because they can smell that they carry his DNA within them. Praise God. So you begin to begin to have new experiences. You begin to shut out every door that opens negative influences and negative spiritual activities onto your life. Many people, this is just the truth they need. This is just the deliverance they need to be delivered so that the experiences that limited the people before them will not limit them. The things that limit the people of your kind in the natural cannot limit you because you are not that kind anymore. You are a new generation. You are a royal priesthood. You belong in a holy nation. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we must understand that. And then he said that they may show forth the praises of him who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. So this is the extent of redemption that I want to bring to your attention, that God has truly delivered you from that tongue that you used to belong to. When you speak now, you are not limited anymore. So people can say, oh, you've got some accent. You have this accent. That only works when you are still limited under the same natural circumstances. Accent or no accents, you will rise without delay. You will rise without hindrance because you are not bound by that anymore so that every assignment God has called you to fulfill, you will fulfill it without the devil bothering you. You'll be able to thrive endlessly. You will walk in victory. Hallelujah. All the days of your life. Why? Because every time the devil tries to search your DNA, he can't find you belonging to the people they are supposed to monitor. Somebody declare with me wherever you are, I am a chosen generation. I belong to a new people. It's called a holy people. Hallelujah. So I belong to a new nation. It's called a holy nation. I am a peculiar person. I am a royal priesthood. Hallelujah. And in that revelation, he said that he has called us, therefore, to be priests and to and kings unto our God. Praise God. And the same way he said, we are a royal priesthood. To be priest and king at the same time means you are a special kind of priest. You are a king and you are a priest. You are a priest because you represent God before men. Hallelujah. And then you represent men before God as a priest. But then as a king, you represent God before men. Praise God forevermore. So I pray in the name of Jesus that this experience of redemption will be a reality, a real experience in your life as you are listening to me tonight in the name of Jesus. That the extent of that redemption shall become your full experience in the name of Jesus. You have been delivered from 